the roll. How you guys doing today? Splendid. Good. Great. I'm here with uh, Jim and Steve from X1. Thanks for uh, stopping by today. Jim made a, made the drive over from Miami, and Steve is uh, right up the street. So easy easy trip for you guys. But um, thanks for stopping by. I know we wanted to talk about a few things today. Um, obviously, we want to learn a little bit about where X1 uh, got started. I know you had this idea for this platform uh, years ago. I want to talk about the technology today and kind of what you guys are doing for the industry and for um, different players in the space. I want to talk a little bit about the technology um, and, uh, and, and really where you guys think this is going to go in the future. Um, all really exciting stuff. Love the um, innovation, and and uh, I know Jim, your your wheels are always spinning on on what's next, which is which is awesome. Um, but maybe we can start with just like a, a quick intro on uh, on who you guys are, and um, we'll start there. Sure. So, uh, like I said, I'm Jim Wiley. I am the CEO and uh, co-founder for X1. I am, you know, I joke around. Uh, I'm still a line guy, career line guy. I started okay. my uh, I started my career as a line service technician for Priester Aviation in Chicago in 1994. Okay. And um, in all reality, I was probably a line service tech for the better part of two years. Um, I went from Priester. I worked at another FBO of north, a little north of there in Waukegan, Illinois. Uh, DB Aviation, um, through a series of mishaps, I became the manager of that facility. <laughs> um, How'd they make that mistake? <laughs> and and from then on, I had some type of uh, some type of supervisory management role I- across the industry. I was very very lucky in my career in that I got to do a little bit of everything. That's all. I, it's I, I I attribute that to a large degree to why we're here today is that. You know, I, 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 I did that. I ran I started running FBO when I was twenty one years old. I um I ran FBO, I ran a flight school, I worked in charter. Um I I've done I did commercial. I you know, for a couple of years I ran a GSC shop at LaGuardia. I ran a ground handling operation at LaGuardia, I ran a de icing operation. I got to see a lot of everything across the industry. Last couple of years, um I was with Landmark and when when Landmark was growing, I started with I started with Landmark in two thousand and nine. And we had two hundred and we had um, thirty six FBOs, and as we grew from thirty six to seventy plus, I was lucky enough to be on the transition teams and to lead some of the transition teams as we went and purchased these FBOs. Some of them FBOs that I had worked at in the past, like you know uh, yeah. South Carolina and Waukegan, I went back to them years later as Landmark acquired them. It was pretty cool, but you know it, it, that was a whole another level of experience as you're acquiring these FBOs. In all that time, I got to see a lot of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, you know, you learn how to do things right. You learn how to do things, you don't learn how people do things wrong. And I got to take all that to start to get, you know, those gears turning that we're talking about before. And and in 2000, and, it's probably around 2009 when I first started at Landmark, you know, I, I got back into, I, I went to Landmark from LaGuardia and getting back into that, you know, that we were doing several million gallons a year in fuel. We we're doing airline fuel, the, the FBO fuel. And it was, you know, the exact same process then as it was when I first started at that point, 20 something years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, nothing had changed. 
And, you know, reconciliation, fuel trucks, fuel tickets, all that stuff, trying to deal with guys' handwriting. The amount of time it took at night for us to reconcile and, and fix things up so we can close our day, it just got to be a bit much. So I was always an early adopter, like to play with technology. I am not a developer by any stretch of imagination. I tried to assemble a digital truck sheet that we can use at, at the FBO. And I had an issue with that. Um, we're, we're trying, you know, I, I cobbled something together with little to no skill, and it kind of worked. And it was built in a platform called WebOS that was, um, as soon as I finished it and it kind of worked, it, the platform was sold off to another company and shut it down. So that tablet and all that work kind of sat on a shelf then for years. I ended up in Miami with um, Landmark and I met a good buddy of mine, this guy George. Um, both our kids were in Cub Scouts and we were hanging out and just became friends. And he was talking about the mar- – he, and he was in maritime. He was handled payments in the shipping industry and a uh, serial entrepreneur type of guy. And – I was talking about aviation and how screwed up our industry was. He had some developers working for him at the time. So he took this platform that I had done, or this this little program, the idea for the program rather, and brought it to one of the developers who's now our lead architect, this guy Yanir. And I think it was a Thursday, I gave it to him Thursday night. Monday, he stopped back by the office with a computer and said, hey, was this it? And it was like twice as good as what I had done. <laughs> in eight months i mean seriously it was like weekend this guy built the whole damn thing and we started talking about we felt like we were on to something we're like this is you know this is this is cool we should we should go take this a little bit further so i actually built some and this is all front end stuff we just built like really complex (laughs) mock-ups at the time and george and i went to um mbaa that year and just walked around with a laptop and just showed people what we were thinking. And the reaction to it at that point was, um, you know, George walked out of like thinking, oh man, I gotta, we gotta put together the, you know, this is a company. Mm. And so in 2015, that's when we started is, you know, that's when it officially became a company and we started building a product. We spent about the next three years developing what would eventually become X1 and getting our first customer, National Jets in Fort Lauderdale. Um, great people and they really helped us you know because we, we were it was a lot of faking it to you making it with the software at that point you know trying yeah. to make everything work and and they were awesome you know mm-hmm. helping us get to that point where by about a year and a half later by late 2019 this was a fully commercial product that we could actually go out there and sell and and you know we've grown a a, a nice number of fbos and our timing i think could not be better. We've really gotten to the point where the we've come into our own right as the industry is starting to realize mm-hmm. they need to adopt that that things have to change. That we cannot keep doing things the same way we've been doing it for thirty years. For so sure. I think that's huge. Yeah, I think that we're we're starting to really see that change in the mindset when it comes to technology and understanding what this is going to do for um, the industry, for their business, and what will happen if they don't adopt it and they don't get, you know, get on this wave. So definitely an interesting, interesting time. So you guys have been growing over the last few years. You picked up a number of FBOs, uh, a lot of customers that have implemented the software. 
Steve, how do you how do you uh, come into this picture? It's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm Steve. I'm the SVP of operations, and I think. Um, you know, I come from the technology background in aviation. I've been been in aviation for about two decades now, and a lot of my time has been spent in the technology sector and bringing better products and, and processes to, um, you know, in our case, to, to operators. Um, sorry about that. I'll get used to this technology here yeah. one of these days, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I'm a firm believer in the value of technology in aviation and in organizations in general, just for process improvement. like. Guys, it's it's 2021. There is a better way to do some to, to to do things. Excuse me. Yeah. And I think that as we have um, sort of the generational shift, as to slide into the right here a little bit to your point earlier, like there is an expectation to be able to do things from our phones, from our devices, and and have this this um, this technology benefit us and our ability to better service our customers. Um, I've been able to to see that to do that in a number of diff- different organizations. Most recently, ATP Flight Docs, and now I, as I move over in here to X1, I think that. You know, this organization is about to pop. You know, the, the I think the FBO industry needs to get on notice because times are changing, um, and and we have a solution that is an absolute game changer to all personnel within that organization. It's not just one silo mm-hmm. of the FBO. It's not just for the the folks on the ramp or the folks inside or the folks counting the beans. It's for everybody. It's a holistic ecosystem that allows them to better advance their FBO's objectives and further enhance the bottom line. I mean, there's so many benefits to those, to, to, to electrifying your processes, yeah. especially when you've got smart technology that actually works, right? What a concept. Sure. I mean, there's so much, there's so much inconsistent software out there. There's so much garbage out there that, that was built too long ago. And the need that it was fitting, that it was, or I better said maybe the itch that it was scratching when it was built isn't the same itch anymore, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, super excited to to hit the ground running with with Jim and X One at this point in the in the company's growth. I mean, we're we're here to scale, we're here to to grow, to to advance the product and make sure that uh, we don't lose sight of that old school hometown customer support. You know, sure. um, old school support, new new school technology is a winning formula. So we keep pushing that into the hands of our customers. We're going to be wildly successful. Cool. And and we get a great skill set with Steve. I mean, you know, it's Steve has already done. You know, I, I and I've told Steve this a bunch of times, but flight we I always viewed flight docs as as a preview of where we were and what we were doing. You know, I always viewed flight docs as a couple of years ahead of us in that progression as a company of trying to sell technology to an industry that wasn't quite ready for it. So Steve brings us to, you know, one of my favorite things is I'd rather learn from somebody else's mistakes than my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'm, you guys at Flight Docs had done a lot of this stuff already. So there's things that you guys have learned in that process that now we get the benefit of that knowledge with Steve on board. Yeah, yeah for sure. And I think that the similarities are very apparent, especially now that I'm, I'm in with X1. You know, when we, we were able to put enterprise into market, we saw we saw the industry kind of go, oh my gosh, this is possible. Right. You know, you remember when, when we really started pushing that electronic narrative, there was a heavy, heavy hand of resistance. No, it'll never happen. Well, could it happen? Hey, maybe this is happening. And then all of a sudden, 60, 70% of our customers were using the electronic signature in those processes. And so it became a reality and um, super exciting to be part of that and, and be able to leverage 
you know, to walk into, you know, in, in that day, walk into a flight department that's been on the software for a year and a half using these processes that you put your reputation behind and seeing incredible results because of it, it's, it's infectious, right? And you can bring that back to the organization. You can spread that throughout the people and, um, you know, really just have a lot of hype within the, within the company to make sure that you're delivering just every single time. Sure. Um, so, I'm, I mean, I'm just thrilled to, to do it again. Like, let's run it again, you know, and um, yeah. see where we can take this. No, it seems like there's a, a really good energy going on at, at X1 and a lot of progress being made and a lot of new stuff that's going on with the product. So really cool to see see all that going on. So maybe let's like take a step back and look at the X1 platform really like what is this what does this do or your main customer base is fbos today what is it doing for an fbo oof a lot <laughs> <laughs> it so i mean if you look at this compared to when you first started i mean the the, the scope of the program has grown so so much mm -hmm. but at its core what x1 is doing is providing tools for the line service technicians and the customer service reps to do their jobs. You know, and, and I, it, that's, that's, a, that's a software flaw in general. A lot, of, a lot of people do, a lot of companies do that, a lot of industries do that. They don't have the right people to build the software. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it's built for management, it's built to get the reports, it's built to do that. You know, it's built for the top, not the bottom. Our approach was different. We, it's, it was very specifically designed for the customer service representative to use and for the line service tech to use. I'll give you a great example. I was in, when I was in Miami, um, you know, busy FBO. And when I got there, one of the things that I was tasked to do when I got into Miami was um, have an impact on customer service and specifically our events. When we, got, when we had events in Miami, it got very busy. And the very first event we had when I got there that I got to observe was, was our NASCAR. It was the, it's like the kickoff of the season down mm. there. So I watched... As, and this was pretty common in FBOs. You know, the software we're using required tons of attention from the CSR. So customer come in, they'd just see the tops of the CSR's heads. And, you know, that's not, that's not what you want. You want to, because that system required so much attention from them. So, you know, we put some we put some procedures in place. We ha we solved it with people. We moved st we moved phones away from the front desk. There was ways we impacted that operation, but at the core of it, our problem was our software. You know, we, and it cost a lot more money to go bring in four more people to put in a call center than it does to fix the software. At the end of the day, and when we when we started X One, it's one of the things we really wanted to solve was that problem. I, I tell this story all the time. I used to work for an FBO up in New York, and we it was a simpler POS system back in those days. But we used to have this this uh, this older fella um, come in all the time from California. He would come in, you know, once twice a month in a G Four from California, because our system was simple. Because we had time, we knew this guy. We talked to this guy all the time. And he couldn't have been, he was super excited about having a grandkid. He told us nonstop about having a grandkid. He couldn't wait to have a grandkid. Well, on one of his trips back, we saw the airplane pop up on flight track. And we're like, oh, look, he's coming back. So our CSM, customer service manager, ran out to the store and bought him a little onesie kit, like a little onesie with the rattle, the whole nine yards for his brand new granddaughter that we knew was coming. And I think it cost us 19 bucks, the kit. 
guy comes in and, and we ask about his granddaughter, you know, show him pictures, couldn't just tickle pink. And then we give him the little gift. It was a $19 gift. The guy is a customer forever because we knew about him. Right. Because we had the time to spend with him. That is that is a huge part of what X1FPO is trying to do. Make that job simpler. I mean, you know, another thing at, at MIA is uh, Landmark recognized MIA as being innovative because our book that we kept all of our pricing, it was really well organized. <laughs> well, that's not the right answer to the problem. You know, it's the, the, the price. But we still have to, you know, it still involves somebody looking stuff up and their time and effort and just technology could solve a lot of these problems. Just nobody was doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we set out to do. And, and when it comes to that, I think we have done, with X1 FBO, I think we've done an excellent job of focusing that specifically on the ground level employees to make their jobs easier, automate as many of their functions as generally possible so they can spend more time on the experience of that operator, that customer being at the FBO than checking off boxes and looking stuff up. Mm-hmm. And so you guys have invested in building a software platform, but you've also gotten into the hardware side of things and bringing together these different pieces um, to really streamline all different types of functions. So tell me a little bit about how that hardware plays into the software platform. So that hardware is uh, host, the hardware, I, I have two of them here, uh, our hardware. We have, we have rugged phones that host our X1, FB, our X1 single point software. Okay. X1 single point is the line service text version of X1 FBO. It allows them to see things on the ramp that they've never been able to see before. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they know who's coming, what they need, what services are complete. They can mark services complete. They can mark locations. It puts the FBO in the palm of now a line service text hand. I mean, and the things that it does are, I mean, they, they cross the whole gamut. Think of risk reduction. I now automatically know my departures for tomorrow. I can look up departures. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in an air, in a hangar, stacking a hangar as a line service technician, I can go to my device, see who's coming and going, so that that airplane and, and line guys are good at this. They have an instinct, you know. That phenom in the back corner, you know, they start to get a spidey sense that that thing's gonna it's gonna have to go out soon. <laughs> and they'll go, you know. And now with the device, they can look at it and say, "Oh crap, yeah, it is going out in two days." So when they restack that hangar, that airplane won't go in the back anymore. Mm-hmm. Now you just you just reduced the number of movements you're doing. You know, you might have reduced three movements just by doing that now. Right. Because you're not going to have to unstack that hangar later to pull that airplane out because now you already knew. So just things like that. Safety saving, aspect. Saving time. Saving Cutting time, down the risk of an risk. incident. Yep. All yep. that type of stuff. Yep. But one of the primary things that we're trying to accomplish with the single point device is to help make the FBOs proactive. And we have always been, as an industry, we've always been behind the curve. We're always reacting to what we're just asked to do. Mm-hmm. And there's an opportunity for us to fix that. Um, you know, I, use the, I use the example of a waitress. You know, when you put your drink down, you know, as soon as you put it down, she comes by and drops the new one without you even asking a question. We've never done that at an FBO. Mm-hmm. And with the, with the hardware, with the single point device, we're now putting the ability for FBOs to do that in their hand. You know, the, the, the scenario is this. An FBO will get a call from a dispatcher 
tell them what they need. The airplanes come in and give us that basic set of information. Then the pilot or crew may call, say, hey, uh, I need this rental car. Here's my rewards numbers. Here's my, you know, um, Hertz Gold, all that. Then, more often than not, 20 minutes out, they'll call an air rank, give us that same set of information one more time. Airplane lands, airplane door opens. The first thing the line service tech says, welcome, what can we get you? That would be the fourth time they've told us the same exact thing. Now, with single point, we can fix that because all that information is there from the very beginning. So the, the concept there is that with now, now with this information in the hand, now the FBO becomes proactive. Now that line service tech is sitting there with his device in his hand, and he goes, how you doing, guys? I see you guys need 450 gallons of fuel. We have your passenger's rental car right here. Crew car's right behind the airplane. We'll pull it up as soon as he's done. You guys needed uh, a lab service, and you guys want a hangar space tonight. What else can we get you? Holy crap. Mm-hmm. You can actually physically watch a pilot just relax when they know the FBO is on top of it to that degree that they have. Yeah, I got all your information. What else can we get you guys? Mm-hmm. You know, or that's what we're trying to accomplish is change the experience of the operator at the FBO, make it easier for the FBO to be on top of those things. Right now, if the, if you were to accomplish that same scenario at an FBO, which I, I don't necessarily know anybody that's doing it, you'd have to go manually collect all that information. Somebody has to go feed it all to you so you can regurgitate it and you have to remember it. Yeah. Now we're putting it in their hands. We're making this just much, much easier. On top of that, um, one of the things I'm really proud of that we've done is is our X1 Cloud Connect, the, the modems that we have here. We've created our own hardware, custom board, custom everything, that this now you take this modem and in trucks equipped with electronic registers like the um, liquid controls LCR IQ meters or the um, TCS 3000s, we can install that device in the truck. Now the truck is connected to that ecosystem. The truck is talking to and listening to X1 FBO and X1 single point. So before the process of a fueling was, you know, you, the, or the fueler would get the fueler somehow, radio, maybe a piece of slip of paper. If you have a slip of paper, you have to go inside to get it. Um, radio, you have the radio game. You know, you're introducing a lot of opportunities to screw it up. Mm-hmm. With Cloud Connect, we've taken that entire process and reduced it down to four buttons. And that, it, the holy grail of fueling has always been the fuel order from the originator. So with integrations like our fuel links integration, our flight bridge integrations, those fuel orders can actually come directly from an operator and just appear in the truck. And then that fueler, when he does the fueling, he accepts it on his device, goes out, hits start in the, on, the, on the fuel truck, does his fueling, hits stop in the fuel truck when he comes back in, the fueling's a summary on the screen, and he hits submit, four buttons. No handwriting, no nothing. You talk about the reconciliation process, it becomes much, much easier. We're at the point now, and we haven't, we haven't done this yet, but we're, we're, at the, we're on the verge of it, is that these electronic trucks now with electronic registers, if they are equipped with um, tank gauges, we can reconciliation can be a full-time thing. I mean, it's it has a real impact on how people are doing their job day to day and the results they're getting from doing their job. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I mean, the the amount of things that you're touching and the the changes that you're making is just critical. Um, and I know we were talking earlier just about 
you know, the, the volume of the flights, uh, especially today are, are, are now going through the roof. Um, we talked about, you know, the, the pilot shortage that's out there, but there's a shortage in labor across the board. And some of these FBOs are not able to keep up with all of these flights that are coming in and looking at their processes and looking at the technology is definitely a key place that they need to be investigating because being able to scale on processes that have been in place for the last 20 years is gonna it's gonna bite them yeah it's not gonna work i mean you can't yeah the old the old methods are not going to work for the new environment sure it's it's that simple and and you know our, our technology is enabling the change our technology you know if you're if you're short on labor, automate processes. You know th things like we're we're we'll, we're able to feedback information outside of X one. So the degree to which your customers can self service increases, which reduces demand on you and the FBO. One of the biggest calls FBOs FBOs receive. I mean, you have a guess what, the, what one of the most common calls an FBO gets is, and they get a lot of them. You're the expert. Is my, is my catering there? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's usually like three people call for that same catering. It's, you know, yeah. you get the crew, you have the dispatcher, a broker. I mean, it's, that's three phone calls right there. One of the things that we're about to introduce um, in our next update is something called X1 I'm Here. That's a feature within X1 that allows all these third-party services to start to feed into X1 and feed back out of X1. So within I'm Here, your catering company can walk in, self-check in, at a kiosk or on their phone, they scan a QR code. They can say, I'm dropping off catering for this airplane. Here's my, here's my invoice information. Put it all on a phone in a minute and feed that directly in X1. And now what X1 has it, it can feed it out to the operators, can feed it out to systems like, you know, like Flight Docs Enterprise and things like that, where nobody has to call anymore because now that catering order that was pending is now marked as at FBO. Once that FBO takes it, put it, puts it on the airplane, that line service tech from his device says, I just dropped it off at the aircraft. Now everybody knows the status of that catering. It's these kinds of little things, you know, and, and there's a lot of those little things that over and over, that's what's going to allow us to be able to meet this new demand. Sure. And automate a process and, and live in this new reality. It's, it's you know, FBOs are struggling for labor right now. We see it in our customers on an almost daily basis. Mm -hmm. And it's a smarter it's a smarter ecosystem that you're putting over top of the organization, right? And so when when people are saying, "Well, I don't have time to take that on right now," that's exactly why you need to take it on right now, right? You got to you got to get in the trenches, get dirty with it, and knock this thing out to to better yourself for for future growth with with a leaner staff footprint. Sure, that that is the reality that's on us. And we sure. do we do get a lot of that. We I don't I don't for have sure. enough time to save time. Yeah, right. So that's we have to convince people. Sure. So a good, a good segue. You know, I know that in as we were rolling out new technology, like we had the first uh, iPad application for maintenance tracking, which we launched in like 2011. So that was like over 10 years ago. And, um, you know, obviously it's a it's a big um, it's a big change for operations to go from a paper process to a digital process. You know, they're they're busy. They're always concerned about the risks of it. You know, is my data going to be safe? Is it going to be protected? How long is it going to take to train up my whole team on this? And so, you know, you guys have been at this for a couple of years now. Um, 
how are, you know, Steve, you getting involved here and you've been involved in, you know, uh, product migrations and enrollments and onboarding, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of customers. Um, how are you looking at, you know, the, the current state of, of the X1 business and like how you're going to ramp up new customer onboarding? Because uh, I'm sure that's one of the obstacles. That, that's probably the biggest obstacle is when you're going and talking to FBOs and saying, hey, we're going to change all these different things that start, you know, the, 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 uh, the alarm start going off for them on like, how the hell are we going to accomplish this? So how, how are you looking at that? Yeah, I was actually talking to George about that and he, he dubs it as the fear, you know, fear management, uh, change management. Yeah. I got to talk into this darn thing, don't I? <laughs> um, but certainly there's a reluctance to change the system that is running your business yeah, for 30 right? years, for 30 years. Right. And, and, even though you may fully acknowledge that your process is broken, it is still your process and you're still finding some level of success through it. So here comes a new organization like us that's saying, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna fix a lot of these things for you. I understand the reluctance. Um, and data migrations and software transitions, they suck, mm. except for companies like Flight Docs and companies like X1 because we've done it. We've done it time and time again. The secret sauce of what we have at X1 here is um, everybody on our front lines, everybody in our operations team, except for me, frankly, has worked in an FBO, right? So they have seen these problems firsthand. And so when somebody calls and they have an issue, we can relate to that. We have true sympathy and empathy for those for those scenarios that they're going through. Um, and we are 24-7, we are 365, we are picking up the phone when when our customers call us to get them over that hump. Now with, with a software transition that an FBO goes through to get on to X1, there's a, there's a lot of boxes to check off. Um, so I think it's a lot about balance, right? You balance the tech touch with the human touch and you make sure that you benchmark certain deliverables and you make sure that expectations are very, very clean from the sales cycle all the way through until that onboarding is done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the, the communication flow is wide open. Um, and, and you've got this group of trusted advisors in your corner that's looking over your shoulder, said, hey, I got your data, need you to take another look at this, this doesn't look right, and if, if this is right, then we need to evaluate uh, changing that, and maybe we should look at the process around that um, so we can take a deeper step into their day-to-day operations to help them leverage the software properly. Um, I think that a, a common misconception that you know any operator or any FBO has is they're moving on to a a, a new software solution is that the solution should bend to them. And to certain extents, that's absolutely true. The, cert- the software should be flexible. It should allow for different workflows, different processes. But the organization transitioning onto that needs to also acknowledge that this software, I'm buying this because this has better ways. So I need to embrace them to all extents possible to drive those efficiencies sure. and not fight it, but embrace it and move it forward. Uh, but you're right. I mean, as, as we scale, as as um, as growth continues, making sure that we have a scalable process from our onboarding team and that's in place, dialed in, and um, you know, well oiled is certainly front of mind to make sure that we stay with. Again, I'm going to come back to this all the time. You're going to get sick of me. That <laughs> that old school support mentality. We yeah. cannot lose that. If we lose that, we'll, we'll lose our touch. And sure. yeah, we are extensions of our FBOs, customer service teams. We really are. I mean, our, our support people, our conversations they have with them, It's they, they, these are their friends, these are colleagues, these are, you know, and, and we try to understand the nature of the true problem that they're having at that FBO. And, and 
that can be difficult. I mean, you know, this onboarding process that we have now is pretty, I mean, it, we're constantly tweaking. It's constantly improving, but it's an order of magnitude better than when we started. I mean, there's, there's a joke in the industry that you've been a one FBO, you've been a one FBO. And <laughs> man, it's true. It, nobody does things the same. I, I, I look at, and, you know, I'll, I'll use Landmark again as an example. We had three FBOs within eight miles of each other in Miami. We had Tamiami, MIA, and Opalaga. Mm -hmm. Same signage, same airport authority and everything. They couldn't have been any more different if you tried. Mm -hmm. Totally different customer bases, different physical plans, just different. And that repeats itself across the entire industry. Everybody has their own procedures, own, you know, it, I joke around with, the, with our guys all the time is we should have made software for yoga studios. It'd been a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so but I, I think one of the, the that being said is like there's so much difference in how everybody is operating today and what in building this product you're taking into consideration you know inputs coming from thousands of different types of operations and there's a lot of people on your team today that have worked including you that have spent a lot of time working in these organizations and so you're creating products that you're trying to kind of create like this best, um, best in in best practice, best practice um, to that allows, like you said, needs to be flexible. But based on your experience, you're creating these best practices that should help really streamline these operations. But in order for them to take advantage of it, they really need to be able to embrace that change is going to come and you're not just going to take your paper process and recreate it inside of inside of new technology no no that's absolutely true it's um you know and that's that's a a, a huge credit to our customer service team and i'll I'll, uh i'll name drop caroline here caroline corrales who's our our, uh customer success or vp of customer success she manages that that process and the expectations of the customers very very well in in listening to them being you know having the empathy to the story of like you know oh i've been doing this forever and then in the best way possible explaining why okay i could see how you did it that way mm -hmm. look at all these tools you have now and look at how this could that that step you're talking about you just missed it because it occurred automatically five steps ago right and walking them through why it's different so and that 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 right. level of touch is a huge driver to why we've been successful. Our customers are very happy with our uh, with our support, and that you know, that, what do you call it, old school, uh, old school support. Yeah, sure. Well, I think too, man, that like with the advances in technology, a lot of customers with with whatever they're they're using today, it's they're going A, B, C to get to D. So they're making this long process to get there, and we're going A to D. We're just skipping what's unnecessary. And or that, automating what's behind that. Exactly, right. And, and so that, that scares people, right? They need B and C to feel like they're doing things right. And right. so we get calls like, hey, did I do this wrong? No, actually, that's awesome. It's perfect. Really? It doesn't feel right. No, it's good. And you know, we can put those workflows and processes in place because, again, that, that dominant experience of our, our customer service staff coupled with the, the volume of FBOs that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and accommodating all of these different workflows, we have you know, just a, a dynamite level of experience in there that we can leverage into the software to grow the software the right way and not let it become convoluted. 
but but flexible. The FBO struggled with that part. With in the very beginning of the onboarding process, they struggle with the change. It's and that's just human nature. It's it's just something that's going to happen. We have to manage it for for those for those customers. But when they come out of the other side of that, you, they're not giving it up. I mean, they're they're just they're they, you know they 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 once they get on the other side of that that change the adapting to change and creating new procedures there oh, this is the greatest thing i've ever done this is this is fantastic and we're, we see that over and over again mm-hmm. i mean and we try to help them through that process as much as possible sure and, and you had mentioned earlier you know like the scope of x1 has greatly increased over the last couple of years and i know like you know you you've been one of the, you know, you've been out there selling this product, taking the feedback from customers. Um, how do you look at, you know, it's and, and talking with uh, a lot of entrepreneurs or startups, they're being pulled in all different types of, of directions on where to take the product. How, how did you look at that over the last few years? And now as like you guys are taking this next step and like moving into the next phase of the company, how has like taking customer feedback changed over over this time? That's changed enormously. I mean, in the beginning, this was designed, you know, to a large degree from my brain, from, you know, the experiences that I talked about before yeah. in, in really crude mock-ups, you know, that started on paper and, I got fancy and got a software called Balsamic till, you know, to these days, I, I do, I still help design in, in Adobe XD for, for our staff, mm-hmm. but my feedback now is only a small part of the whole. It's not, it's, it's not what it was before. Our customers are the ones that are really driving the development and the customers are the ones who are telling us, I need this, I need that. Um, and pointing us in different directions. You know, our, we have some customers that are just awesome that once they're on the system, they're like, oh my God. You know, they had a system before that did nothing, and now they want. You know, they they now it's like, well, can it um, you know, can it go get the papers for me? It, it's it's incredible, and and we you know we we manage the expectation a little bit. We have gotten a little bit. You know, in, in the beginning when you're trying to gain enough customers, you're trying to gain that base. You do do a lot of stuff. Some stuff we did, I wasn't necessarily a big fan of, but a customer we needed to ask for it, so we did it. Now we're in a position where it's a little bit easier to say, ah. You know, I don't know if that's the best idea, but let's offer you this alternative. And, and you know, 90% of the time, like, oh, that's, that's a good idea. That, that does sound better. But, you know, there, there's still a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, you know, I, basically the reins for what X1 is becoming mm-hmm. on, a, on a day-to-day basis has been handed over to our customers and our customer support team. You know, mm-hmm. they, they drive some of it with, with uh, support tickets and feedback from customers. In addition to our just reaching out to customers, we're actually pretty excited. Our very first user conference is um, scheduled for late March of okay. next year. Cool. So we're going to bring about 50-plus users down here to Miami. I don't know if a lot of people want to come to Miami in March. Can't imagine. Yeah. Terror, it sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> but we're going to bring a bunch of users down to Miami to, to you know start to even take that feedback a step further. Mm-hmm. Bring them into the loop. Show them what we're working on. Get their feedback on what they're using day-to-day right there in our environment and and help help modify the system further from that point mm-hmm. yeah when you keep your developers close to your customers you're it's, it's a recipe for success to build what did kent used to say either you fail two ways in software you build the wrong thing or you build the thing wrong right, right. by keeping your developers close to your customers you're avoiding those two pitfalls it's awesome uh, our, our developers at this point are domain experts i mean they i would probably take half our developers and let them run an fbo at this point because <laughs> that's how much they know about an fbo 
Yeah, I think that's that's awesome in that getting them involved in the process guarantees that you you get a better product at the end of the day because there's only so many things that you know you as as you know you probably considered the product owner uh, over the, over the last few years. There's only so much that you could think about, but when you start bringing more people into the loop and technical people. Because they have a lot of ideas about, you know, building things, the technology that's available out there, how you could build it to really get something that is exponentially better than what that original idea was. I'll give you an example of one of those things, and it's probably one of the best parts of X1, our pricing engine. You know, one of the, I talked about that book before at Landmark where you have to, you have to look up pricing mm-hmm. in, in, in the legacy system. That was really one of the things I wanted to solve. I, I did a project at Landmark where we had um, a location that had a high invoice error rate and we, you know, we had to dig into it. We, we did a Pareto and really got into the data to figure out why they were making so many mistakes. And it came down to, to forcing a CSR to make too many choices in the, create, in the, in the process. Mm-hmm. They had to select this right, they had to select that right, they had to select this right. It just made it more difficult for them to remember, you know, 95 different permutations of an invoice. So when we created X1, that was one thing we really wanted to solve. And we had these long discussions about it, about how do we, how do we create that? And it was one of our developers, um, our head developer, Alejandro, who, who came up with the idea of our, our pricing engine for rules. For, for, for pricing, it, it's, you know, it's rules-based pricing engine that allows in X1, you can create a specific price for a specific customer, for a specific tail number, specific payment method on a specific service on a specific day if you wanted to because of that engine. It, it, it enables an awesome degree of flexibility that is designed to take the burden off the CSRs to have to know this stuff. The system knows yeah. it, we'll create the price. Don't worry about it, talk to the customer. Very cool. That's awesome. <laughs> so you guys are, are making a lot of changes for the way things that are being done in FBOs. But we were also talking a little bit about the changes that will happen in the industry down the road. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about where you kind of see things going, maybe with, you know, maybe with the product and then also where, you know, I think that there's going to be some significant changes in the industry. Well, you know, this is, that's one of my favorite topics is, is where the industry is going. I mean, you know, this is X1 was created because we kind of want the industry to go, industry to go a little bit more technology oriented. Yeah. And you know, we're, 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 we're already doing things in X1 to prepare for the future. One of the things we've just done is, is, um, as far as I know, we were one of the first softwares to be able to handle SAF, uh, as an inventory item in, in the system. Um, Pricing on SAF. I mean, I, I think in general, um, overall for the industry, is it, ignore sustainability at your own peril. I mean, this it, it's a topic that is not going away. Yeah. Um, SAF is the beginning of that. Um, we we created an innovative little carbon offset tool with NX One, so it calculates your entire flight profile, and you know from if you're going from White Plains to MIA, it'll calculate your carbon offset, and you're able to you know, purchase that carbon offset directly from within your FBO software, your, the operators are. Um, and then we're also looking at with one of our partner FBOs now, the advent of um, h- how do we start charging for electric? This is coming. It's not, you know, this is, it's not a, this is happening. The, air, right. the aircraft exists today. 
how we how are we going to create you know from an infrastructure point of view um how do we talk to the infrastructure how are we charging for it all that stuff is stuff we're looking at today so that x1 can handle the future of what an fbo looks like mm-hmm. how about like what do you think the changes to an fbo will look like and will will an fbo always look like an fbo today so I, that we're already in, that's already in the process of changing and mm-hmm. people may not recognize it but it's already in the pos- process of changing i mean if you look at fuel fuel itself is much more commoditized than it was five years ago than it was 10 years ago mm-hmm. if you, you're you, what you're getting from an fbo fuel prices are all kind of um you know static they're all kind of the same at this point you can you can manage the fuel price mm-hmm. what is what's going to drive customers starting today and and more so in the future is the experience at the fbo it's what you know being at that fbo the level of service you receive proactive service like we're talking about with single point that's just going to be a much bigger driver in the future for at an fbo than it is even today or especially more than it was five years ago so you know that's part of it over the long term where where we're headed is um you know, sustainability, like we just talked about, FBOs, FBOs, our industry in general is going to have to figure out how to do a better job of, um, you know, being stewards of our environment. And that's going to have a big impact on things like, like, you know, we talked about the SAF electric, but probably one of the biggest changes that I think is going to occur is that the FBO is going to leave the airport. I mean, you know, we talked about these, we talked about these urban air, the advanced air mobility concept and the, these aircraft that are coming online today, the Jobies, the Liliums, these are real machines. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, I think th- the hurdles today are more regulatory than they are technology. Those machines exist and they can do the job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I always use the example, and we talked about earlier, I use the example of um, where I live. I live across the street from a mall. That mall has a parking garage. The top of that parking garage, to me, is a future FBO because these urban air mobility machines, they're going to need some place to go. They're not going to land in people's backyards. There's going to, you know, this concept of the vertiport is real and it's going to happen. Sure. And, you know, as FBOs, I think we need to start thinking about it because when it comes, you know, think of a vertiport, think of that vertiport on the top of that parking garage right next to my house. There is no organization business in the world more capable of handling the unscheduled arrival arrival and logistics of the departure and arrival of an aircraft than an FBO. So it makes absolute sense that that's that's the next evolution of the FBO is, you know, going from the 3500 we have in the United States today to 30,000. Yeah. So it, it's we're in we're in for a lot of very very interesting years for sure as a business and the most change I think we've seen ever. Yeah. For sure. So with all the, I think that there's a huge opportunity out there, you know, for the the core platform, for future products. How are you guys looking at, like, from a sales and marketing standpoint, how do you get out there and get this product into more and more operations? How are you looking at that today? Well, we've got to leverage every avenue possible to keep our product front and center. I Mm -hmm. I think um, our VP of Sales and Marketing, Monica, is doing a great job in recent months of really broadcasting the name of X1 and um, and really focusing in on the features and capabilities of our our software to make sure that the industry knows who we are. Mm -hmm. And then I think that there's a heavy element of ground game. 
you know, we've got to get out there. We've got to knock on doors. We've got to do it a little bit old school style. Sure. Um, and make sure that we're arming our salespeople with the proper tools to manage those deals. Sure. Um, certainly leverage the CRM properly so that we can manage that, that I, I call it deal management cycle, where we really understand where our prospects are in this pipeline and what we can do to, to, to frankly, shrink the cycle. Yeah. Um, and make sure that we're building a scalable and repeatable process so that as we do scale our own organization, we bring on new personnel that we can fall them in on a playbook of sorts to, to arm them for success and ramp them to success that much, that much quicker. Uh, but you know, Jim, Jim talks a lot about evangelizing the, the narrative that is X1. And I think, you know, it's not going to sell itself, but it, it does speak for itself. And I think if, as long as we get behind it, we continue to deliver a dominant product and we back it up with dominant support, um, we're going to have a much easier time on the sales process. But, you know, we've worked together for a long time. You know, you know, I'm a firm believer in getting into that boardroom yeah. um, and proving your legitimacy and, and putting your reputation on the line. Sure. And, and so, um, you know, I'm all in favor of sort of, oh, I don't know, reawakening that process, you know, especially now that we're, I think at a different point with COVID than we were over the past 18 months or so, where I think that people are a lot more uh, willing to have you on site, willing to accept a presentation um, and really get face to face and eye to eye with people. I think yeah. this industry still demands that handshake and that look in the eye and, and conviction of, you know, sales. Yeah. Yeah. I've been talking with a, a lot of companies about really like a two pronged approach in regards to, you know, going really hard on the content marketing. So, you know, getting really, you know, putting out there, who are the people behind this company? What is this company about? Uh, getting really deep into the product, you know, under, you know, putting out there, what, what does the product do for you as a customer? What are the features that are available? A lot of times that's kind of hidden, um, especially in aviation. There's been a lot of companies out there where you go to their website, you can't even see a screenshot of like, right. what, what is this product? What does it look like? What does it actually do? Um, and so really going heavy on the, on the marketing, which I see some cool stuff coming out from you guys on that. But I don't ever think, especially for a product that is like this, where it's really in depth, you're you're replacing a lot of different um, processes and functions within an operation. You're never going to get away from having a salesperson go in, understand the operation, demo the product, fit all of like, okay, here's how, here are all your pains. You know, I'm going to find out what your pains are. Here's how our product is going to solve that. I don't think that you're really going to get away from that. And so for any of the companies that are out there really trying to get off the ground or take things to the next level, you know, you can invest heavy in marketing. Uh, but if you expect just leads to just like come dumping in, it's, it's probably not going to happen. And you can build up your sales team. But if you don't put in the work in telling the story behind the company and the product from a marketing standpoint, um, you're going to leave opportunities on the table there. So I think it's, you know, going at it from, from both directions is, is yeah, really I, th I think if we're expecting to just be taking orders, then we're going to fail miserably. Like that's yeah. not going to work. We're not going to allow that to happen. Um, and I, I fully agree with you. I think like from back in the day, from, from nineties. So you'll remember this, Jim is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Andre Agassi used to say image is everything. 
you know, mm-hmm. and I and I'm a firm believer in that. I think that you've got to put the right image out there. And from a marketing perspective, we need to be focusing on our customers, yeah. user stories. Hey, this is how they've been successful. We need to be focusing on our product. This is the problems that we're here to solve. This is how we solve them. And then we need to be focusing on what the industry is doing. Similar thread to what we're talking about here today, but just an elegant, well-branded, well-designed content that's out there. Sure. Uh, and then you're absolutely right. We've got to make calls. We've got to be aggressive on the sales front. And there's absolutely no substitute for that yeah. Um, whatsoever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you could talk about a feature all day long. It would put it in context and showing it to somebody, listening to how it would apply to their their individual problem, because that one FBO, one FBO thing. Sure. It it has a big impact. Yeah. And I think, I think it goes beyond just showing off the product, too. You know, let's talk about, you know, we can show you the product all day long. It's bulletproof. It's built to last. Production proof and all that good stuff. What I can't show you is the organization behind that. So let's talk about that a little bit. Right. And let's talk about what your onboarding process is going to look like. Let's talk about the challenges that you have. Let's talk about the problem that you have that we're here to solve. Like we should be selling organizations their problems that our solutions solves. Right. If we're going in there heavy handed and trying to just sell our product, then we're not listening to what they need. And prospects are not stupid, man. They're going to pick up on that stuff and they're going to feel like you wasted their time and you're not going to get another shot at that pitch for three years if you're lucky. Yeah. So just got to stay dialed in and aggressive. Yeah. My favorite word. Cool. Well, so a lot, a lot of good stuff coming, going on. Um, we're coming up on the end of the year, like very quickly here. Um, what's the next big event for you guys? Is that going to be schedulers and dispatchers that next big one is scheduled dispatchers up in January. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll bring our, our booth there. We'll show off some new stuff like the X when I'm here. Okay. While we're there, um, we uh, and you guys are invited. We have our big party there with uh, AG and Go Rentals. Cool. At the uh, it's at the Pendry this year at the Oxford Social Club. So okay, we encourage everybody to come hang out with us. Grab a few uh, drinks. Uh, Tales from Tequila. Same. Okay. Same theme. Because um, what goes better than tequila and airplanes? <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. Well, yeah, I'll uh, I'll be out there and I'll definitely uh, take you up on the invite. Um, anything else that you want to? Anybody you want to shout out to? Where where anywhere? Uh, where can people find you? Anything else that you want to touch on uh, before we wrap up? I mean, you know, it's it, we're all here because of the people that Steve was talking about. I, I we really I, I I we are blessed with i think some of the best people in aviation on our team right now and that's driving a lot of our ability to grow and scale at the speed we are and it's this is all because of our staff our people caroline amanda um george the whole crew monica everybody this is this is all thanks to those folks um high energy group i've been so incredibly impressed with the dedication yep yep and if you want to come check us out it's uh x1fbo.com it's a, it's an extensive website, got a lot of features in there, and you're always welcome to uh, click on any of the links there and give us a call or a little chat bubble in the bottom. Cool. And somebody will get right back with you. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for stopping by. All exciting stuff, and uh, I'm sure we'll do it again. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. All right. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Thanks, man.